I am currently wearing a hat. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, then it, it's completely irrelevant. However, I think it's significant because I know that I'm not the only one who hasn't had a haircut in several months now. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's relatable. I think it's an important point. So now that we've bonded over that fact, I'm now going to not talk about COVID for this entire episode like I did last one. Instead, I'm going to be talking about this super fancy for me, three things that I've learned about customer feedback working at a customer feedback tool for the last several weeks, months. It's been months now. Hmm. It's gone by quickly. It's been a lot of fun. So I am the head of product at UserFeed, um, userfeed.io, which is a tool for collecting, managing, prioritizing customer feedback. So there's a ton that I've, I've been able to observe in the last few months just around how people are collecting feedback and um, why they collect feedback. I'm sure there'll be like tons more of this. Um, this has always been a topic that gets me pumped. And if you go back to early episodes, you'll know ultimately that's how I started Upscribe, which is the other software product that I run right now was from actually going out and talking to customers. Um, so to get into it, did I already say this? Three things I've learned. Yes. So the first is, I can't read this. I can't read my own writing. It's, uh, it's not handwriting. It's on my phone, but... Uh, anyways, why you should be collecting feedback, even if you think you already know everything your customers want from your product, for your product, whatever. So I've actually had, there was a, there was a customer um, or a potential customer that came to user feed. It's a fairly big business, fairly big company, well-known, and they decided not to go with user feed and after they had left, I reached out and, and asked why. And the reason was that they felt that they know everything that their customers could possibly want for their product. And so why would, why would they need to collect feedback? Uh, it's not valuable for them. And so there's a few things right off the bat that I feel like is wrong with this. And I mean, let's say for the sake of argument that you do know everything your customers could possibly want everything that they want for your product, you should still be validating those assumptions over time. You know, your customers' needs change, and not only that, your customers change. You have new customers that are coming in that are whatever, they're a different type of business, and you could be missing out on opportunity because, you know, enterprise companies want to start using your product, but they're not going to because they have different needs and you are meeting the needs of this customer, this other customer that you had initially collected feedback from or whatever, learned about initially. So you, you're missing out on the changing needs of your customers, but you're also missing out on the changing customers, the new customers that are coming in that there could be a ton of potential revenue that you're missing out on because you're just not listening. So, I mean, not only that, but this is also how disruption happens. Companies get comfortable and they think they know what their, their customers need. And so they stop asking. And then the smaller company comes in that, that is listening and they start taking the market. So the, thec the second thing that I've learned is that not all feedback is created equal. I felt like that was a pretty fancy, fancy bullet point. 
a nice little point. Anyways, what I mean by that is just that you should be you should be organizing your feedback based on who gave it, you know, where they were in the product when they gave it, where they were in the life cycle of for the, you know, the customer life cycle when they gave it. All those things should be taken into consideration when you're actually deciding whether or not to work on it. So, for example, you may have you know, say you're B2B, you may have companies that are much larger. They've got, you know, a big team, they've got lots of customers. And so they're going to pay you, you know, they're paying you a lot more. And not only that, if they're a growing company, depending on how your pricing is structured, they might have the potential of paying you a lot more over time. And so the feedback that comes from that team should be prioritized over the feedback that's coming from that pesky bootstrapper who's trying to stay, you know, small and scrappy. Ah, those bootstrappers are the worst. They're trying to stay small and um, they're planning on staying small for a long time. So they probably won't ever spend more money. So obviously that doesn't mean you ignore those customers, but, but you're trying to run a business. Hopefully you're trying to make money. And so you need to be able to prioritize the features requested by the people that are gonna pay you more money. For some reason that was really difficult for me to say. And the second kind of sub point to this, not all feedback is created equal, is that your customer does not know everything. Your customer doesn't have the context that you have. You can't just look at, you know, 30 people wanted this feature. Unless your customer is, you know, product designers, they probably don't know what you should build. They know what their problem is. They know what they're trying to achieve, but they don't know ultimately like you do what to build next. And that's why it's super important to be getting as much context as you can around that feedback. So you can't just take a number and go, you know, 40 people asked for this, let's build it. If it didn't come out of organic conversation, and so you weren't able to go like, oh, interesting, like, you know, where were you when you had that problem? You're not able to ask why, you're able to ask other questions around why they were providing the feedback, then you, you could go and you could build the wrong thing. Or what's worse, and this happens fairly often, is somebody comes in trying to solve a problem and they ask for a feature they think they need, when really you already have a feature that will solve their problem. And you're able to do that in conversation. So no matter what, if you're not getting this feedback organically through conversation with a customer, you should be going back after the fact and asking more questions. And then the third one that I feel like is the most important, especially if you're running a business, is that feedback-driven development, addressing feedback with customers, and not just that, but doing it in public so people can see, it doesn't just keep your customers around, obviously it builds trust, but it can also win you customers. So there was an episode of Build Your SaaS that I was listening to a while back. And if you're not listening to that show, you should be subscribed to Build Your SaaS. You need to go look them up. Anyways, John Buda, one of the founders of Transistor, was talking about a conversation he had with a customer that decided not to go with Transistor. They went with a competitor. And the reason was because this competitor apparently was making more progress on the product. And so they 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 lost customer, not because they weren't making progress on the app, because if you're listening to that show, you know that they are. So you are probably making just as much progress, maybe more than your competitors. But if you're not showing not just your existing customers, but also potential customers that you're making that progress, then it really doesn't matter. 
it's it truly is a differentiator. People will go with a company that they're seeing is moving forward, is making progress. This is where a roadmap or a change log are actually super valuable marketing materials because sometimes we're like not working on features that people can see. Sometimes we're working on infrastructure or security updates or whatever, but those are really, really, really good to know. I, I know for software that I pay for, when the team lets me know that they're making security updates and blah, 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 it's like super boring stuff, but it gives me confidence and it will give potential customers confidence that they're gonna pay you and you're gonna keep giving them a better and better product. So those are some of the things that have been percolating in my brain lately. Per percolating, percolating. How do you spell percolating? Percolating. P E R C. She's going to spell the whole thing. L A T I N G. Great, you just learned something. If you didn't already, percolating. Percolating. Anyways, I hope you're healthy and I hope you're safe. Have a great day. I'm so bad at ending these things. I feel like this is why you have like a snappy outro. Just, just for the sake of, it's a nice little wrap up. Have a good one. Have a good day, you. Go out there and collect feedback from your customers and make a wicked awesome product. Catch you later. Later days.